This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. One of my favorite things ever is to share real-time, real stories, examples of all the things that I care about in my book and that we talk about here on the podcast, Write Your Own Story. And today, we have a real-life example of so many of those concepts, and I'm excited to introduce you to my friend and now colleague, Rebecca Rush. Welcome to the show. Thank the other, you. Otherwise known as the other Rebecca. That's true. And I don't mind it. <laughs> I'm in good company. <laughs> so I I want to tell our story. And I think even before you introduce yourself, let me share the front end of our story that will lead to you telling more about who you are. So I don't even know. A few months ago, I was feeling some kind of way about my business and projects and things that I needed and wanted. And by some kind of way, I mean legitimately frustrated. And <laughs> just in a in a moment of the only thing that I just made sense in the moment was I just posted on LinkedIn that I was frustrated that I didn't have the right platform for my community that I was building and just said, hey, I'm looking for somebody that can help me search for this, help me find it. I just wanted to pass it over. Like I, I didn't even want to look at it or think about it anymore. And then I just kind of forgot about it. And within a very short period of time, I get a message from Rebecca that says, oh, hey, P.S. This is kind of what I do. And we had just met that morning at a keynote that I was doing where she sat in the front row and asked a question, was obviously then got my attention and we'd had this exchange. And then within a, another day or so, we were sitting in a coffee shop across from one another talking about my project. And it's it's just been the most unbelievable puzzle fit connection to a problem I had solved with one little post. And I can't wait to dig into it. But is, is that a fair representation of what you experienced as well? Yeah. And I, you know, my, my experience is a little bit deeper because I was at the, the cusp of making a change for myself. But yeah, I mean, it, the timing was perfect and crazy. And, you know, when I messaged you, I told my partner, Josh, I was like, listen, if she says yes, this is like, this is it. This is meant to be. This is the thing. Never told me that before. <laughs> I know. And when you messaged me back and said, yeah, I would love to meet you. This is awesome. It was, we were both so happy and like celebrated in that moment, like a new journey. And it's just been nothing but those kinds of moments since then. So it's just, it's been awesome. It's been amazing. Okay. That I didn't know that about you and Josh, but that, okay. So the point I want to make about this, and then we're going to dig in and tell all about you and the work you're doing for me and going to be doing for others. Like I want to dig into all that. But the point I want to make with this meeting is that when I talk about living with rhythm 
So the three keys to rise and thrive as a badass career woman are story, money, rhythm. And when we live in rhythm, it's about the ebb and flow of kind of letting more things happen than just controlling everything. And when we open ourselves up to the optimistic belief that what is for us will find us, and sometimes we have to let things go, and sometimes we have to let things come in, these kinds of things happen. And they happen more often when you believe that that is possible. And neither one of us could have orchestrated the kind of meeting or situation that we've we've had. I just threw it out there. You saw it. It was supposed to happen. And, and here we are. And I think that is the most difficult thing for someone whose entire career and life maybe has been steeped in I've got to control it and figure it out and strategize it. And if I'm not working hard to do that, I'm slacking or failing. But sometimes just letting go and trusting that God or whoever you believe in already has it figured out is the best plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. And I felt so affirmed when you said, oh, P.S., you know, like, we met, you may, you may not remember we met this morning, but I did. And I was like, okay, come on. Like, if if you can't acknowledge that that is a sign and a message, then I can't help you. Then you're probably not for me. Like this, pod, <laughs> this podcast probably isn't for you. Like go find somebody else. But I was like, mm-hmm, come on. So what you were in the midst of doing was, again, another key point of everything we talk about here, which is working to create the conditions for the life that you want. And so tell us a little bit about the changes that you're making and why you're making them and a little bit about what you're going to be doing or what you are yeah. doing. You've already been working for me for I don't even know how long, forever it feels like. I love <laughs> it. But tell us, tell us the context of that change that you're making. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to, to circle back to Rhythm a little bit, you know, I, for a couple of years on my, the screensaver on my phone it said, what's meant to be will, meet, will be for me, and that's why I relax. And it was a reminder to me for several years, every day, to try and let go of that control, to try and stay in the flow and the rhythm of my life and the things that I wanted for myself. And that's just, it's so funny that you said that because that was my screensaver for years. It's still on, it's still on my work phone. And as, as my screensaver. It's just, it's so cool that, that those kinds of themes prove themselves to us. Like, logically, I'm not surprised, but every time it happens, <laughs> it's surprising. It's like yeah. you got flowers kind of surprise. Not yeah. the kind, yeah, you know, I, I love that. Yeah. 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 For the last several years, I've been really digging into myself and who I am, the life that I want. And what feels important to me, I, for the first 28 years of my life, I live what I call this supposed to life. I did all the things I was supposed to. I got the grades. I went to college. I performed in my roles at my, at the jobs that I had. I didn't break the law. I didn't drink before I was 20. Well, you was already ahead of the curve with me then. So there's that. (laughs) 
like I, you know, I was very, very regimented in the ways that I lived my life and it didn't get me very far. I, (laughs) it didn't, it did not. I got married young and that's something that in, in the way that I grew up, you were supposed to do. Like, that's just what people did is they found their person, they got married, they had kids, they got a job, they lived a life and that was the thing. And I wound up divorced at 28. So, you know, and and since that time period, it's been me looking at me. I know you talk about holding up a mirror to yourself all the time. And like that's that's been my rhythm for the last several years. And I feel like those changes that I made intentionally to to try and be in slow and figure out not what I'm supposed to do, but what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be is such important work. And so when opportunities like this come up, you're open to them and you're receptive and you're not pushing them away in your subconscious because you don't feel you're worthy or deserve or you're not good enough. It's funny because I had decided at your keynote that I was gonna that I was going to do something different. And I had it had been heavy on my spirit for a, a long time. And people had asked me, why don't you start your own business? And I'm like, I have no idea what I would do. Like, I have no idea. And I have ADHD. I can start a million things, but I can't finish it unless I care. It's, I can start a million one thing. Another can... fun thing we have in common, because who speaks ADHD better than me? Nobody. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I had to I had to get to a place where... um the thing that I was doing was ingrained in who I am. And so after your keynote, my literal thought was, if they can do it, I can do it. Like if if they can do it, I can do it because I, I saw your, your genuine spirit and your authenticity and your care and all the things that make you wonderful and that you bring to the table as Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. Like those are... <clears throat> Those are the same kind of qualities that I try and embody in my own life, you know, in my own way. And so if you can do that and be successful and people are magnetized to you like they are, then maybe there's a chance I can do it too. And so there's something beautiful about living in your authenticity, living in your rhythm and living in that wholeness of who you are, that helps other people believe that they can do the same thing so you did that for me you did that for me thank you for saying that it's so affirming I receive it (laughs) I receive it and that's the way it is for everyone when when we courageously allow ourselves to be ourselves so moving from proving ourselves to being ourselves it does give you more of a magnetizing energy people want to be a part of anyone who's willing to be authentic and well with good intention right good people that are authentic they're also people that are awful that are authentically awful that's not what I'm talking (laughs) about but what what's just to affirm it even more I would say that more than half of the clients that have hired me for either a keynote or coaching or whatever they they hand me money for have somehow commented that it was based on my authenticity being genuine 
nobody comments really on how damn smart I am. (laughs) Joking, sort of. No, I am smart. I'm going to own that. Or like some business acumen Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like I'm hiring you because your capabilities in executing on strategy is top notch. And I'm not saying that's not true, but what drew them to me was my ability to be myself, even when it was weird and wacky or I cursed in a place I wasn't supposed to curse or whatever, whatever it was. So I I only say that to encourage others that this isn't just about you and me. This is a principle of humans that applies to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What was difficult or not what was? I'm going to, going to assume it was difficult. What I really wanted to say was when you made the shift in saying I did all the right things and it didn't work out very well. Now I want to explore what I want. Was it difficult? And what was it? What was the process like? It has been a, a very, I would say probably a longer journey than it needed to be. (laughs) But you know, we do that to ourselves sometimes, right? And that's okay. That's part of the path. But um, it was difficult because I got to a point in my nine to five where my expectations exceeded what other people were able to give. And it shifted how I was showing up in a way that I didn't like. And not, I wasn't engaging with my environment the way that I that that I wanted to, that was authentic to who I am, and at the same time felt stuck. Mm-hmm. Because if I stay in the role that I'm supposed to be in, right, in my nine to five, if I if I stay in that space, it got to the point where it was just, it's this with who I am. And it's in constant, it's just a constant fight, constant friction. Yeah. With with who I am and what I know that I bring my value, relevance, impact conversation, right? Mm-hmm. The the nine to five role and what I have to give and what I want to give are they're not in alignment anymore. And I actually had the conversation with our president. I was like, I think my expectations might be hurting us right now. And I have to figure that out. And I had to be honest with myself that it wasn't other people. It wasn't, well, they they may have areas of improvement or they may have areas of growth in their own right. Ultimately, the the issue was me because my expectations and what I wanted to see happen didn't align with with my role. And so when that happens, that's generally an indication that a change needs to be made. And so it took me a while to get there. And that path was painful. This is so important because I think there is an unrealistic expectation that businesses, that your company is supposed to accommodate to meet your specific needs. And I don't believe that to be true. I think that it is largely our responsibility to know ourselves and know where we fit more so than asking an organization to shift to make sure that we do fit. Mm -hmm. Because I had a similar experience that wildly successful 20-year career and I made good money and I made a difference and I loved it for the majority of the time. But then got to the point where the company's strategy needed to shift 
And it was not going to be as aligned with the things I love to do. And so much like your situation, that was my clue that I wasn't going to stay there and feel that friction of not being able to be holding myself and doing the things I love to do. I needed to go find something that was a fit for me. And I think it it took longer for you and it's hard for people to see because there's such a big message out there about company culture that it's up to the organizations to provide this magical experience where people want to work. And I think that's bullshit. I think I think you your responsibility as a leader is to make sure that you're creating the conditions where people can thrive. Yeah. Do you have good systems and processes and expectations and are people treated fairly well? But it it's it's about you knowing you to say, is this a good fit for me? Or do I need to go find a different organization where I can be more myself? Yeah. Yep. People don't like to hear that because that's, you also have to be responsible for going and finding something else <laughs> instead of just bitching about your boss or the company. Right. Well, and the funny part is I've given other people that advice oodles of times. Oodles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's okay if this if this role that you're in is not the right fit for you, but you can't sacrifice your own happiness for the sake of your comfort. Like you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to do the thing. And it just took me way longer than it should have <laughs> to take that advice for myself. But, you know, at your keynote, I was sitting there and it was about burnout, which I felt like I was experiencing significantly because I was out of alignment with with where I needed to be and what I was, what I am looking to contribute to the world around me, to my corner of the world. So when you are in that place of friction where you're not in alignment with the organization, you know who you are and and it's not a fit anymore. I think it's so important to acknowledge, like, like when your car gets out of alignment, And then the wheels start to shake a little bit. And then the steering wheel starts to shake a little bit. And then it's hard to turn. And ultimately what happens is the car starts to suffer actual damage from not being in alignment. Yeah. That's what happens to us is we start to experience the physical manifestation of illness or frustration and just... And the company suffers because you're, like you said, you're just not showing up completely invested in what you want to do. And so the best thing you can do is just disconnect from that thing that you're not hooked up well to and go find something that you do hook up well to so that you can find that groove again. Yeah. We just keep either trying harder, right? So the, the two root causes of burnout are proving yourself and working harder. So it's like, I can do this. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make this fit. If it's not a fit, you can't make it fit. Well, and I think what what made it prolong the timeline for me was that when I very first started in that role, it was everything that I wanted it to be. And it was fantastic. And I'm like, I'm going to work here forever. This is amazing. Like, I get to use all the gifts and talents and it's fantastic. I'm making a difference. Everyone is happy. Like we're making money, new systems, processes, optimizations, efficiency. All your favorite things. All the good things. 
And it's okay that it didn't last and it didn't it didn't continue down that path forever. And I think a lot of the friction for me was the expectation that I would be able to expand my role with my gifts and talents as I grew and as I improved my skill set and as I learned and and gained leadership skills and all the things that are are great things to do inside of your career. And ultimately, my role stayed stagnant and I didn't. Not only that, but it it regressed a little because I had installed the efficiencies and the optimizations and the and the <laughs> that's a thing. thing. You can work yourself out of a job. That's yeah, that's a thing. And so, is my role needed? Yes. Is it is my skill set needed in the same way it was three or four years ago? No. And that's what was hard about it. That was a hard place to come to. That's like I did my job so well that I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I was the same. I loved my job. And and I would tell everybody, and that's why it was so shocking when I left was people were like, you're good at this. And I thought you loved it. I did, but I yeah. don't anymore. And so now it's yeah. time to go. It is interesting that when people experience that sense of discomfort and dissatisfaction about their jobs, too often they do look at the company instead of looking at themselves and saying, what, what what do I want? Because we can often point at what we don't like about a situation. Well, that's our that's our negativity bias at work. Like yeah. our brain is always looking for what's wrong so we can fix it and be safer. So instead of looking at what do I really want to do, we say, well, what's wrong with where I'm at? Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was nothing wrong. And it's okay. The company didn't need to shift its strategy so Rebecca could be more rewarded. But either of the Rebeccas could be <laughs> more rewarded. Yeah. It was just time to go and find something new. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So when I decided to start the Everly Agency, which is the name of my newest venture, <laughs> the feeling in internally that that shifted was enormous like just even when I hadn't even started the work yet it was just the idea and the freedom that I felt from not feeling stuck like I had something else like there was an outlet for all the parts of me that weren't allowed to exist right in in the structure that I was in just the 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 feeling of that shift and that transition of the decision was huge because of all the work that I've done over the last several years, I know that I can do it. Like I have that that in, inner thrive guide, right? That tells me you can do this. You got like you're going to be okay. And having an outlet even for that was huge because it, when I have that inner thrive guide, that's like you're meant for more. You you this isn't it. This, this is not the thing. And I don't have an environment that matches that message. That's part of it too. And just making the decision is huge that. for me. You know, the thing that's coming to mind, because you, you know me well enough now to know that I have the weirdest metaphors sometimes, but like back in the day, <laughs> oh, Rebecca, you're going to say this out loud, are you? Yep. Here you go. I am old enough that I worked in the time when we had to wear suits and pantyhose to work every day. And I'm one so of the sorry. jobs that I had. Yeah. Right. Like talk about oh. aging me in this conversation right now. But I would get up every day and put on 
suits and pantyhose and heels and go to work. And just that feeling of coming home at the end of the day and you couldn't wait to rip those pantyhose off. That's what I'm thinking of when you're talking about disconnecting from somebody, yes. some, not somebody something that feels like friction and it's uncomfortable. And I don't know what I'm going to wear next, but I know it's not that. It's, not, it's anything but that. <laughs> I, I, I told you it was going to be weird. But yes, but like, yeah. I don't even know what, how, what the next thing is going to be. And quite frankly, you don't know what the next thing is going to be because you're building it. And I and I want to be really careful because I think sometimes here on the show, it's easy to glamorize when someone is starting their own thing. And I don't want to send the message that in order to thrive, to disconnect from something that you feel friction and striving, as we call it means you have to create your own thing to thrive. Sometimes it simply means go find a career or a job somewhere else for somebody else that is a better fit for you. So we're not saying you got to go start your own business if you're going to have this sense of freedom. But that was the situation for you, which is also a part of you creating the conditions for the life you want because you're raising tiny humans who have unique needs and things that you want to be available for. So it made more sense for you if you were going to make the change to change your whole life so that you could be the mom that you want to be with the flexibility as well. So I just, I just wanted to highlight that because I I think sometimes when people think it's the right thing to start their own business and then I have a conversation with them, I think, oh my gosh, based on who you are, I think it's the worst thing you could ever do to start your own business. Just go find a job that you're a better fit for. But -hmm. in your situation, it is absolutely the right thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree because I've been in in a nine to five role that did leave me feeling fulfilled and thriving. And and then with that comes the security of benefits and coworkers, social interaction. And hopefully, unless you're in tech, maybe your job's not going away tomorrow, right? Your your income doesn't end with the next project. But we so don't that- know that. With, I mean, uncertainty is uncertainty, right? Yeah. Like there's no like guaranteed thing. Yeah. 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 So as you are making this transition in your life, when you looked, you know, now in, in our common language from working together, it's our unique gifts, talents, and abilities. But what were some of the things that you knew were important to you as you looked at starting this business and what you how you wanted to spend your time where people would hand you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I feel like I knew I knew a handful of things. I knew that I wanted to establish time freedom for myself because I will work the pants off of anybody around me, but <laughs> y'all just pause for a second. It's freakish what you can accomplish in a very small amount of time. Like even as I was telling people that we, you were helping me with this project, which we'll get to in a minute, the turnaround time was frightening to me. Like you have this weird ability to do superhuman kind of, I, 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 I just, I don't even have words for it. I, 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 I call you the, my... sta- the staples easy button. Hey, can yeah. you do this? I hit this button in the like, in the no amount of time, like the, you send it back to me down. I'm like, what is, what is this person? Anyway, keep going. I give credit to my neural spicy brain. <laughs> hyper hyper focus is 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 real. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I was looking for time freedom because I want I want to be able to show up for my kids and for myself whenever I need to. And, you know, sometimes that looks different every day. Sometimes showing up for myself is hyper-focusing and completing a project and feeling amazing about it. And other times it's sleeping in until 9.30 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. And the the ability to do those things is important to me. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put the work in to start my own thing, right? Like that's important to me. And then the second thing that felt really important is that I was doing something that I care about. I think I said earlier, I can start a million things. Like I can start a million things and I can figure them out. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna care enough to keep going. And so I think part of what took me so long is to figure out what that was for me and what what the impact, because for me, it's important to have an impact that lasts on people, organizations, whoever I'm working with. I want that impact to stick. I needed a framework that would allow for that and not just be a, a quick in and out. Yeah. I mean, you talk about transformation all the time and and that's important to me. And the last thing that I would say is is finding a niche or something that allows me to not only use the gifts and talents and abilities that I have, but develop more. Because I know myself and if I stay stagnant, I get bored, I get tired of what I'm doing, I thrive in a challenging environment where I have to learn new things. And if I'm not able to learn and or implement new things, it's a challenge for me to stay in that space. And so, and that's not the case for everybody. I think right. people who are like that think, well, isn't that how everybody is? No. no. Some people don't want to start new things. They want to either improve something or just maintain something and keep it consistent. Like that's why we're all different on purpose. And so knowing that is really important when you're choosing what you're going to do. I, d- I had a coaching session with an executive leader this morning, and he also is neuro, neuro spicy, and, and his <laughs> ADD looks a little bit different. They all do, P.S. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things I was concerned about is, is as the company gets more stable and he's thrived in fixing things that were chaotic, I said, we, we've got to find something today that you care enough about that you don't need chaos to have stimulus. You don't need that dopamine hit of chaos. So what's that thing that's going to light your heart up on fire about what's happening in the organization now in order to get that hyper-focus? Because it's it's true. If, if, you, the, if you don't have that, when that's the kind of brain you have, you do, your effectiveness just starts to decline and it's almost impossible to will yourself back into a place of care and concern. Yeah. And, you know, for years in my career, I I worked alongside amazing people that showed up to work on time every day because I have ADHD, time does not exist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They showed up to work on time with no issues, right? They, They showed up, they showed up well, they did the thing. And then they went home. And it's like, how is that so easy for you? Like, what, what is wrong with me that I don't have the ability to do that and feel okay about it? 
like I must have to fix something. Oh, like, I hate that, but it's so true. It, it's a terrible feeling to to and these people run the world, right? They're so valuable, like so valuable. And We're saying that with our sarcasm font, though, a little bit, though, right? I mean, just because they're on time doesn't make them more valuable. Well, what I mean is like the people that that can show up in the monotony and thrive. Like in what I find to be monotonous, what I perceive as monotonous, they perceive as the conditions in which they thrive. Yeah. Right. So we're yeah. all different. Gotcha. And we're all different and we all bring a different skill set and different value to the the thing. And so I looked at those people, right? And what comes easy for them and the conditions in which they thrive were not the same conditions in which I was thriving. And it took me a long time to realize that my different is okay. My different is okay. I wish I would have learned that like as a kid. (laughs) I was going to say the education system has just reinforced all of the things that made that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on time is better in school. What's that saying? Comparison is the thief of joy. joy. I spent a lot of time comparing myself to people that didn't have the same, the same thrive environment or the same struggle environment that I did. So I feel like I'm finally coming into the space that I can thrive too after watching other people do it for a long time. It's so true. My son also with ADHD, the number of times he would feel so defeated because try as he might, he would end up being late for something that somebody was disappointed in him or didn't get some, lost something that didn't get turned in. He did all the work, but then wouldn't get credit and then would just be down on himself. And I just would constantly say, well, look, it's not you. It's, it's a system that does not honor what you're great at and it's going to be okay. And, you know, we, we chose medication when he was in school to help him navigate those things because it was so hard on his self-esteem. But, you know, it's so interesting once he landed in the career that is meant for him, he hasn't taken any medication since. Because like you said, once you find your thing that you're passionate about, you got no issues with any of that now. Yeah, It's way easier. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. And he's adding so much value that when a mistake does happen or something doesn't get done like he would have liked to his value is so great that everybody's like, it's all right. <laughs> You're so great at what you do. Like, don't worry about it, which was not the what his teachers ever said. My worst moment, eh, I don't know, worst is probably the wrong descriptor, but I was working with one of his teachers and before we took him out of public school because it was just too too hard on his self-esteem, he was fifth grade. And I was trying to work with her to figure out how he could be more successful in her class. And I was trying to understand like the setup of her classroom so I could give him some advice at home to set him up for success. And I said, so I was asking some questions and she said, Cameron just needs to be more organized. And I said, and the deaf kid could probably listen more, but that isn't going to happen. So what else you got? (laughs) Now my delivery probably wasn't great, but I'd had it. Yeah. I had it with her making my kid feel bad about himself when he was a good human. Like, stop it. Don't get me started on that rant. We'll be here for days. So the Everly Agency now exists. Yay. Official. What are you... No, that's not the right question. That's not the question. It's not right or wrong. 
when you think about your gifts and talents and how you've structured the Everly Agency, like what is the work now that you're you're going to be doing and how are you using those gifts and talents to serve others and solve problems? Like just how does it work? Yeah. So at at the root, at the base, the Everly Agency is a change management professional solutions provider, which tells you almost nothing about what I'm actually trying to do. And this is what happens when you start your own thing because you've not had enough repetition in doing the work that even as you say it, your sense of confidence starts to go. You're like, I think this is what it is, but I'm not. I'm like, that's part of the process, right? (laughs) And I'm seven years in and I'm just now to the point where I kind of know what it is, but I'm willing to change it if I need to. So I'm giggling a little bit because I remember those days when somebody would ask me a similar question about my business and I would be like, I don't know really what it is. It's only been around (laughs) for like 15 minutes, but I'm going to say this and see how it sounds. (laughs) So, (laughs) so change management is, is an umbrella and the needs are vast. Whether you're looking at changing along with systems and structures that need to change, whether you're looking at adding new tech into your company or upgrading the tech that you have, whether you're looking at our culture needs to change or this is off or this is wrong or something is not jiving the way that it should, change is inevitable. Like change is unavoidable. You can't hide from it. Like there's, there is always change that is happening. Whether you're growing or whether you're suffering. Right. Change yep. is a part of that. Yeah. And everywhere in between. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when I sat back and I thought about who am I? What am I good at? What kind of feedback have I received that has informed me of these things? I'm really good at seeing the big picture and knowing the details that it's going to take to get there. I can think about different facets of the business in a compartmentalized sort of way and then bring them all together. Like if somebody needs to update their CRM, right? I can do that. Like I'm technically inclined enough. I'm in a very technical industry right now, but I'm and have been for the past, goodness, five years or seven years, something like that. I can implement your new CRM, but how does it impact the people that are using it? How is your culture supporting these people? Have you asked them how they feel about it? You can implement a change and it will almost certainly fail if you don't account for the whole of the organization and the way that it impacts the people that actually run your business. And so the goal of the Everly Agency really is to make sure that people are taking a holistic view of their organization in a way that's going to support growth and positive change and the people that are doing the growing while not being so focused on not hurting someone's feelings or keeping people's lives the same, that they don't update their tech, that they're behind industry standards or that they they don't see a path forward because they lose, right? Like that's a lot. That or happens to hell lot. with what the people say. This is the technology that we're implementing and not getting any, not soliciting any advice from the people using it on what you choose or how it gets implemented. Either way is disastrous. Yeah. And the thing that I think allows me to enter that space with 
a lot of confidence and a lot of value, relevance, and impact is that I I can ask the right questions. I can ask a lot of questions. I can think down 15 different paths of, well, this may be the result of this. Are you okay with that? Well, what about this result or this result or this result or this path? Or what if we combine these two and you'll get that result? Like there are a million and one different factors that all contribute to whether change is successful or not. And doing your best to account for those things is hard. And I'm really good at it. That's what I agreed, validated from the, <laughs> the work that we've been doing together. And this is what's so fun for me to, to see is the things that in certain environments you were probably criticized for, your brain's ability to think about 15 different things at once and how they're all going to converge in good or awful on the other end, were not rewarded in places that wanted a very linear step-by-step environment like Mm -hmm. school or maybe some other jobs you ever had and and so what what is great about you doing this is it captures that chaotic brain that you have in such a beautiful way to prevent people from a chaotic outcome yeah which is just so funny to me it's like all the things that made school hard are exactly what you're doing today to make business better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I transmute chaos is really what I do. I transmute chaos. That's probably a great, a great there, synopsis your, of that. There's your subtitle for your yeah. <laughs> marketing. But it is so true because the intersection of technology and structure with people is the only way to get results. I staged a coup in my old organization to remove a CRM that I think we had paid like $2 million for because it was so bad and it was making everybody in sales and on the front line of the organization, it was making our jobs really hard because the people who chose it didn't take any of that into consideration when they chose it. They chose it for all the wrong reasons and it wasn't malicious. They right. just They didn't have somebody like you going, well, what about... And asking those kinds of questions. And it got to the point where, you know, me and my return on investment business case brain started calculating the amount of hours in distraction that I was having trying to use this system from the, the work of selling and bringing money into the organization. So I just went on my own little documentation of how much extra time this and that was taking. And then I solicited that from a handful of the highest achieving colleagues that I had across the company. And then I just took a report in and said, this is killing our productivity. And here's the data. That, so it wasn't just me complaining. I went in with, let me, let me show you. And I'm happy to say that it was eventually replaced <laughs> with Salesforce, quite frankly, which is interesting. Because now that's an Indianapolis <laughs> company. It is a, a, an important aspect of business that too often leaders are too far removed from mm-hmm. the front lines of things or the thinking through the implications of it may look like a great solution, 
but have you thought about how it's going to get implemented and how people are going to receive it or well, if they're going to use it? Those, the people selling or implementing those processes, systems, optimizations, efficiencies, there are a million and one options, right? So just because they think they explain to you why it could be a good fit from a bird's eye view doesn't mean that it's actually a good fit to your point. Like, and if, if you've got leadership that's disconnected from what their people need to be productive or elevate their production in a completely different way that they haven't done before, like that's a whole other ballgame. And pulling all of the the vision, the executive strategy, the ROI into the humanity of the business and and accounting for all of those factors in a way that pushes the organization towards success. Well, that's what you did for me. And I mean, I mean, the business is human framework is really what we're talking about, right? So the yeah. business needs to control, measure, optimize. Yeah. Humans are personal, emotional, and social. And what you do is manage the intersection of those two things in a really yeah. beautiful way. And even me, the poster child of the business is human creator framework thing. When I posted what I needed for my business, it was a new platform for what is now the Thousand Thriving Women experience that that we have. And I had chosen a platform previously. It wasn't doing what I needed to. So then I chose another one that I thought was going to be as good as I could get. And when I posted, like I needed somebody to help me implement that platform and do something with it, you just set that aside. And we had a conversation and you said, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What's important to you? what's worked and what hasn't worked. And in that conversation, you said, are you know, are you comfortable with me going and looking at what some of the options are that meet your needs? And I said, please. And so pushed aside the preconceived solution that I had and went and explored other options and came back to me with the mecca of solutions that I didn't even know existed in the world. And so it's a perfect example of you just setting aside some things for a minute and then really getting to the heart of what are we trying to accomplish? Like you said, with strategy and vision and who's involved in this, what's going to matter to them and to you, then go find a solution that's going to meet those needs. Mm -hmm. And I've had a ball helping implement that too, because I, I can get so lost in the details and the creativity of it. Oh, it makes me so happy. And I felt the same way when I was implementing an inventory management system, when I was implementing a, a serialized barcode system. Like, <laughs> you know, it's you like... Know what's going to light people's hearts on fire? Yeah, it's it's the ability to like install creativity and solution and have that intersect with the result. Like, that's what lights me up. And it could be a manufacturing environment. It could be a social community environment. Like, it's the intersection of those spaces that that makes my heart happy. <laughs> I love it. And mine, yeah. too, because, boy, do we end up with a much better solution than I ever dreamed was even possible. That's That's the other thing is not only did it meet my needs, it gave me opportunity to do things I didn't know was possible. And I think that's 
especially where you get excited. It's like, we didn't just check the box on, oh yeah, yeah. It was like, but what about this? And what about that? And I would just be like, oh my gosh, um, I didn't know that was possible. So it really is a win-win scenario when we're both getting more than we thought was possible out of it. Yeah. The thing that really makes this something that has longevity for me and is not going to turn into a stagnancy situation is because there are so many opportunities for a change of scenery. There are so many opportunities to take to take the chaos and bring it into a managed environment. And then I get to leave. And like, that's the MO. Like, let me clean it up. And then I'm going to peace out and say, have fun. And that's where I thrive. That's that's the best part. Because the, the space where I always struggle is the managed task mm-hmm. side of things. Like the repetitive tasks. Like, yeah. now it's implemented. Okay. The dopamine's gone. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the perfect time to hand it over to someone that is more gifted and talented in yeah. maintaining something and keeping it going and their heart's on fire and they're so excited because they're like look at this beautiful system this is amazing (laughs) people who don't want to take on a job that's chaos and have to fix it right absolutely yeah i think that that's the best thing and also the hardest thing when you're when you're creating a business that is so far reaching in what it's abilities are right because people like a you know a very simple little a very specific niche like i do this this thing in this process yeah and i fell into that feeling of insecurity because i didn't have that for my business and asking myself if i should make my business be more of that instead of people being like, you've got a lot going on. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's the way I like it. Mm-hmm. And then, but they'd say, well, I don't know how it all fits together. And I'm like, I don't need you to know how it all fits together. Like I know how it all fits together, but I think, no, I think not. I think I do know. I know that that's where rhythm has to take over because being open to believing that the opportunities that are for me will find me is how you stay okay when your business doesn't look and feel like what other people are telling you they think it should look and feel like. Mm -hmm. So you're already kind of ahead of that curve. I wish I would have had more security in that sooner because I did try to prove myself and make it look like what other people thought it should look like for a while until finally I was just like, this is exhausting and and it's not helping me. It's just making me more frustrated. I didn't start a business to be frustrated by my own dang business and that anymore. So now when people say, you've got a lot going on, I go, yep, that's it. That's where I like it. Like, yeah. I, I don't have to apologize for it. That's just, and when they say, how does it fit together? I'm like, I know how it fits together. That's what I know. Yep. It fits together because it's mine. Yep. <laughs> So I'm excited for just the journey that you're on and and seeing how it not only 
serves you and the clients that you're going to be serving, but also that you are creating the conditions for the life that that you want for you and your family yeah. and modeling that for your neurospicy kids that <laughs> yeah. see that in action so that they're inspired when it's their turn to step into whatever is for them. Yeah. You know, my daughter the other day, my son actually had pre-K graduation and they asked him, they said, uh, they asked all the kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my daughter, a few days later, a week or so, we were eating breakfast outside, breakfast picnic. <laughs> um, she said, you know, I wish they would have asked me at graduation what I would be when I grew up. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, what would she be? And she said, a kind, loving, hardworking woman like my mama. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Girl is six and a half. It, like the the perspective that that like shows me that she has and it just it 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 helped me know that I'm on the right path okay I'm gonna try to articulate what's on my heart right now because oh when I started this business and it started to move into this focusing largely with women I was surprised by it again rhythm oh this is gonna be rough okay I grew up with all boys. I didn't even really like hanging out with girls that much for parts of my life. Like it was just weird and hard for me. And this whole like thing moving to working with women, I was like, Lord, what? Really? Like, I don't know. It's, uh, okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is my thing. So I know this is where that came from. I I heard him say, when you equip women with what they need they are the change agents of the world they impact education and parenting and the the child is looking to that woman and you're going to have more influence with the things you care about which are work and education and people honoring their uniqueness and connection you're going to have more impact in the world if you work with the women and I was like okay and then I started thinking about it from that perspective and I tried to start a school 12 15 years ago because my son needed a different kind of school and I started realizing oh yeah it was a group of women that got together and said traditional school isn't working for our kids we're going to start our own and when we interviewed parents, it was the it was the usually the mom that was making the education decision. And when you watch, you know, language in how it changes, it's usually young women that are. And I thought, this is it. This is how you change the world. You get a group full of high achieving women who care deeply about what they're doing, and then you let them model that for their kids. And that's exactly what's happening with you and your daughter. And I had a coaching session with a, a client yesterday who's going back to work after her second maternity leave. And she said, I want to spend this coaching session talking about reentry in, into work. I want it to feel different this time. And she said to me, it was Maggie Miller. And I posted about it on Instagram today because I woke up with it on my heart just in such a beautiful way. She said, you know what? I already know this time is going to be better because I don't feel like I need to go back and prove myself. I just need to be myself. Y'all, 
it sounds so simple that people are afraid to try it, but that is the answer. That's the secret. It's just stop proving yourself and be yourself and be willing to just see what happens with that. Well, and I can tell you the transformation side of it is so important because while I did not have a thousand thriving women several years ago, it would have made my life a whole heck of a lot easier. That is for sure. And man, she would not have said that if if it hadn't been for the last four years. She wouldn't have said she would not have. That's not who I was five years ago when she was a baby. Like that's not who I was. And the work is hard, but it's so important because. When she said that, I just about melted onto the sidebar. Completely unprompted. She just wanted me to know that that's what was on her heart. And it's it's all the, the affirmation that I need. So. Decide who you want to be. And the rest of it will just work itself out. Thank yeah. you for being you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing her to me. It's been nothing but joy and goodness. So we've, so thousand thriving women, like people need to come and experience this platform that you've built for us and we're we're doing good work in there with a with a group of amazing women we just dropped new yeah. content yesterday mm-hmm. that focuses on fear and uncertainty and imposter syndrome and all those things that make it take longer than it sometimes needs to to yeah. get to where we want to <laughs> be and so the rebecca's want to serve you we just need you to come and show up and let us show you what we got I'm not coming down. I Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all, fun fact. Did you like the music for the podcast? That is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.